This is the Decision Point with Anand and Dury. And Anand, there's no training camp right now. The NFL is off, but there have been some transactions, most notably, most recently, Baker Mayfield finally on the move. No, he's not going to Seattle. Seattle seems more and more comfortable with Geno Smith, which narrowed down the number of suitors to probably one at this point. Based on the deal, I, I'm thinking that Carolina was the, the last team standing and uh, the Browns had no negotiating leverage left. So let's look at this Baker Mayfield trade and the contract restructure that made it possible. Firstly, do you like the trade? Is it a good trade? If you're Cleveland, it's worst case scenario. So yeah. let's let's run this down. Before we get into the Baker Mayfield side of this, if Watson ends up getting suspended and if Mayfield ends up playing for Carolina, currently the Cleveland Browns will be spending over $55 million for quarterbacks that will not take one snap for them in 2022. That's disastrous. Like regardless of how you look at it long term, that's that's god awful, right? But in this case, they couldn't even find anyone to take him, right? Like so basically what the trade boils down to is Cleveland's going to eat 10, almost 11 million um, of Baker's salary and get about $8 million in cap relief. Carolina is going to pay him 5 million and added three and a half million in incentives to his contract because obviously they have three quarterbacks that they believe in and, you know, potentially even a fourth if you had PJ Walker, who, which, you know, shout out XFL. That was a good time. Um, but what they're trying to do here essentially is Carolina is throwing darts at quarterbacks that are costing them nothing, right? Like Corral was touted as maybe a first round pick, maybe a second round pick. They got him for nothing. Baker Mayfield was traded for a conditional fifth round pick two years from now. <laughs> like it's not even a 2023 pick. You're talking about a 2024 conditional fifth round pick, which I'm sorry for t turning – what was it, 2018 or 20 – 2018, I believe. The 28 – you if you're Cleveland right now, you turn the 2018 number one overall pick into a salary split dump and a conditional 2024 fifth-round pick. That's a disaster. It's unbelievable. No it's, matter I'm how looking at the details of this. It's really unbelievable how little Cleveland thinks of Baker Mayfield because Deshaun Watson's likely to be suspended. And yet, yeah. they're like, no, we'd rather have Jacoby Brissett under center, a journeyman quarterback. <laughs> we think he's better than Baker Mayfield. And we're going to go ahead and pay for the right to get him out of the building. We're going to pay $10.5 million of his salary. Yeah. That's what they're paying this year. Carolina's like, we don't want to pay most of his salary. We'll, we'll give you, you know, $5 million. We'll chip in $5 million. And then they still were three and a half million dollars off, right? Because he's owed yep. nineteen million for the yep. fifth year option for a quarterback. So how they made the numbers work is they said, "Well, Baker, you'll have an opportunity in Carolina that you won't have necessarily in Cleveland because you're out, right? You're done yeah. here." Yeah, he was never taking another snap for them. You can start in Carolina. What's it worth to you? And then they had to negotiate with. Baker Mayfield's agent, and they came back and said, well, okay, Baker's willing to go to Carolina. Right. We're willing to accept up to $3.5 million converting from base salary to incentives. Baker's confident enough in his ability. He's, he thinks he'll still be good enough and healthy enough to make the $19 million, make the full 
the full 19 million. So go ahead and convert it to incentives and we'll pack our bags. And so a, a big portion of that too, if you're Carolina, right, is those incentives that are on Mayfield's contracts are technically going to be considered not likely to be earned. It's probably realistically just, this is just my guess. It's going to be a hundred more yards than he threw for last year, a couple more touchdowns than he threw for last year. And based on that language, they're not going to apply that cap money to the cap this year, that three and a half million. So if he does hit those incentives, those will hit their cap next year. And they're perfectly fine with that. Wow. Wow. So you can classify it as either this incentive is likely to be hit, in which case you take it off this year's cap. Who makes that decision? Someone in the league office? Yeah, it's a league office thing. And obviously it's, it's kind of discretionary like when uh when brandon cooks was traded to new england one of his um one of the modifiers that they gave him was one more yard one more touchdown and one more reception than last year and usually like for things that that are considered likely to be earned there are lower thresholds um most things that are considered not likely to be earned or like you know like 95% 95% of last year's passing yards, like based on league adjustments. It's a very weird formula that's used for it, but more than likely, like they're going to add do quote unquote do better than last year. And that, that would make all of those incentives not likely to be earned and not count against this year. Most likely. So <laughs> how it breaks down Baker Mayfield owed 19 million. The Browns are going to pick up 10 and a half million dollars of that tab. The Carolina Panthers are going to pay him $5 million in base salary. That gets you to $15.5 million, and he's going to accept the rest in a performance bonus. Yep, incentives. So the the contract was essentially restructured for him to be traded to Carolina. I don't know if that was done before or after. Um, That may have minor cap ramifications. Nothing that that would be worth discussing. It'd be like maybe 100K, not really – not really noteworthy here or there. So um, the Browns but, are saving eight and a half million dollars on their cap this year. So now they have eight and a half million dollars to go spend on any somebody. position needs they might have. Yeah. And they got a fifth round pick in two years, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is yeah. the absolute bare minimum. Look, like I was, you know, from, from discussing with other people that kind of like understand how cap structures and contracts work we thought it would be a day three pick but most people agree that it would have to be 2023 to make it 2024 holy cow cleveland you you showed your hand too early you're the you're the guy at the poker table wearing mirrored glasses oh yeah oh no you no, telegraphed- no. It, it, on on both transactions right the only quarterback yeah. transaction that they made that was actually i think executed by their current general manager just so happens to be the one good deal they got, which was Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby, yeah. They had and, the two. Look, they were on the losing end of the two worst quarterback deals this year. So yeah. they were in a bidding war for Deshaun Watson, and they paid an exorbitant price, a an egregious overpay on the one hand. Yeah. So they were the bidders in the Deshaun Watson sort of frothy sweepstakes. That ended up yeah. overbidding on the one hand, and then they were also on the wrong side of the Baker Mayfield transaction in that they went to bid on Baker Mayfield as the owner, as the contract holder for Baker Mayfield, and had no bidding partners on the other side, and the thing spiraled down to, circled the drain down to, oh, conditional fifth round pick, and oh, by the way, 
you still have to pay $10.5 million of his salary. So, yes, they were fucked from both angles by the quarterback position. The overpay on the one hand, and then the robbery. They were the victim of the robbery on the other hand. I mean, they did it to themselves. They're the marks. You said they're the marks at the poker table. Yeah. Oh. And and look, look, the other thing, too, is none of this, no part of either of these two trades screams Andrew Barry to me because – None of this makes sense based on everything else he's done, right? Right. Like, it's Jimmy Haslam sticking his hand in it again. And he look, didn't, like, Andrew Barry didn't select Baker Mayfield in the draft, right? This is this is no, he did not. This is what's really difficult when you're evaluating general managers is yeah. How do you detangle, uh, you know, some edict from the top equity holder? Yep. At the team and says, "Hey, we we we're going to go ahead and overpay." For Deshaun Watson, I want in on the sweepstakes. I want to win. I want to one-up my billionaire buddies, and I want to win this. right? And Andrew Barry's like, okay, we were out, but I guess you're getting us back in, right? So I was trying to have fiscal responsibility when bidding for Deshaun Watson. We were eliminated, and then... The agent called you, or you called our you called Deshaun Watson's agent, and, and and got us back in, unfortunately, for an egregious overpay. And I didn't even pick Baker Mayfield. I've been saddled with this albatross since I arrived, since I walked <laughs> through the door. Yep. And now it's my job to clean up this mess and to get what we can from this sunk cost. And the one guy that I signed that I actually liked that I thought was a good value is Jacoby Brissett, and I'm not going to get any credit for that. No, because now now the entire world's focused on the two abject disaster quarterback deals and not the one that they got that may actually save their short-term future. Now Andrew Barry's right? name is on all these transactions. Right, which is so unfair. It's super it's so unfair. unfair. It's, it's super unfair because you can tell, right? You can tell there are a few trades that, that happen every year where you can just tell the owner is involved, right? If you were a Washington football fan, Jimmy! Carson, if you were a Washington football fan, if you're a Commanders fan, you know that Carson Wentz coming to town was Dan Snyder. You know it. It's absolutely his MO. It's exactly what he would do. You've seen him now spectacularly flame out of two places, and they're like, nah, we're going to be the ones to fix him. Yeah, oh yeah, no, right? we, we got it. Yeah, right? Like, like yeah. Dan Snyder's Washington Commanders culture is definitely what's going to bring Carson Wentz's career back. Like, like, you and you see this all the time throughout the league. And as you understand, like, you know, how these owners operate and what they do, right? You can kind of see how Carolina has, in a weird way, accumulated quarterback talent that nobody else wants. They overpaid for Darnold. We all agree on that. Yeah. Darnold's going to make $19 million himself this year. Right, because but, he was in the same draft class as Baker Mayfield, and they exercised the fifth year option when they acquired him. So it's not like Carolina is getting an incredible deal on the quarterback position this year. They're grossly overpaying Sam Darnold, and they're paying Baker Mayfield five to eight and a half million dollars as well. So they're way over twenty million dollars on their quarterback spending as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you're, you're you're asking. <laughs> What you're 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 trying look at least they somebody, got a deal on Corral. Someone threw this out there the other day that I thought was hilarious, and and it was just you know 
why don't they just also go trade for Jimmy Garoppolo and just revenge start quarterbacks? Yeah, oh yeah. Let have them play their old teams. Yeah. It's like look, look, the the Baker deal for Carolina is great because he represents a very significant upgrade over Sam Darnold. Now, how good can Carolina be with him? I have no idea. I don't know. Because we haven't seen the last healthy Baker Mayfield season was 2020. And the Browns looked really good. He did what was asked of him. They ran the ball and played pretty good defense. They played ball control offense. And in that role, he has proven he can be capable. Now, God knows what happened to his shoulder last year. Hopefully he comes back 100%. He absolutely deserves another shot, right? The 2019 season was, you can argue away as Freddie Kitchens. You know, like that, that's, that's fair. I don't think that's giving him an excuse. I think that's very fair. And in 2021, obviously he was hurt. Do I think he's great? No. But he's at, he's one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the league. And for that reason, he deserves a shot to start. Let's see what he does in Carolina. Because I'm, I'm very intrigued to see, given the offensive weapons that they now have, let's see what he can do with them. Because it was always Baker's, or it was always Odell's fault. Or it was Jarvis's fault. Right. Or whoever. Let's see what he does with DJ Moore and McCaffrey and those dudes. And whenever a player changes teams, the first thing I think of is Prediction Strike. I want to go to Prediction Strike, go to the App Store, get Prediction Strike, promo code UNDERWORLD. You get a free player share just by depositing $20, and that's where you invest in players like their stocks. And my first thinking is, oh, maybe I can I can get Baker Mayfield at a discount. His weapons are going to be McCaffrey and DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall. You know, Terrace Marshall is not quite dead yet now that is a quarterback upgrade. But thinking about it more... That's what I want. DJ Moore, right? DJ Moore on Prediction Strike, promo code UNDERWORLD. DJ Moore, 13th most PPR points among wide receivers since entering the league in 2018. This is from Pat Thorman, at Pat underscore Thorman on Twitter. He's been catching passes from Cam Newton, Will Greer, Taylor Heineke, Kyle Allen, Sam Darnold, Teddy Bridgewater, P.J. Walker, Baker Mayfield is a significant upgrade on that cast of characters, which is just wild when you consider how eager Cleveland was to stuff him into the head of a rocket and shoot Baker Mayfield into outer space. What I don't understand about it from Cleveland's end is if you knew you were pursuing Deshaun Watson and close to a deal, why wouldn't you trade Baker immediately before that news comes out? Right. Like this is mismanagement on multiple levels. And the thing is, Andrew Barry would not do that. Right. Like he wouldn't play it this way. That's how I know Haslam stepped in at the last second, because you don't roster a quarterback that's going to cost you 40 million dollars a year and also pick up the fifth year option on a guy that's going to cost you 20 million dollars a year. That just doesn't make sense. No one would do that. And so it leads me to believe that what we think is probably true, and now Carolina gets a quarterback that's definitely worth more than $5 million a year at a, re- a re- realistically great value, and they have the ability to extend him if he plays well. I mean, it's free money. They essentially paid $5 million and a conditional pick two years from now for a guy that was widely considered the number one overall pick and was taken as the number one overall pick less than five years ago. So on Caesar Sportsbook... Promo code PODFATHER15 because you get $1,500 in first bet insurance. DJ Moore and DK Metcalf are both plus 3,500 to lead the league in receiving yards. 
they're right there with AJ Brown and Marquise Brown, DK Metcalf, DJ Moore. So essentially it's Jefferson Cup, Adams, Chase, Hill, Samuel, Lamb, Kelsey, Diggs, Ooh, Evans, fun. Deontay Johnson. They're all plus two thousand or the odds are even worse. Like your your payouts even 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 less. The favorites are Cup and Jefferson at plus eight hundred. See, then there's a significant drop down. There's a big teardrop where you get plus 3,500 on A.J. Brown, Marquise Brown, D.K. Metcalf, D.J. Moore. I would argue D.J. Moore is the best value of those four because A.J. Brown's in a run-first offense Yep. with Devontae Smith opposite. Marquise Brown has a mobile quarterback on a team that, that pulls pass attempts out of the offense in order to run the ball with Kyler Murray. But yet, I think he's a better bet than A.J. Brown, a better bet than D.K. Metcalf, because D.K. Metcalf, love you, but you're not going to lead the league in receiving yards with Drew Locke and or Geno Smith. I don't see it. So I think it's going to be between yeah. D.J. Moore and Marquise Brown of those that have the better chance. But as Pat Thorman alluded to, it's just D.J. Moore is a much better player. He's a much better all-around talent. He can win downfield. He has incredible size-adjusted athleticism. He's been one of the most productive wide receivers early in his career in NFL history, right? He and D.K. Metcalf through age 24, two of the most productive wide receivers. And yet D.J. Moore now clearly has a better quarterback. So I think he's the play at plus 3,500 if you want to throw a dart on a long shot to lead the league in receiving yards. It's not likely, I, but now it, it's at least more likely than it was. I, I'm with friend of the show. Matt knows him well. Uh, Dalton Cates and I have been – because I actually took a look into something that he said, took it to heart. Because when Dalton talks about props, that's one that's one of the few people that I like take everything that he says 100% seriously. And so I looked into one, and it was T. Higgins. And I think T. Higgins is somewhere – Depending on where you look, anywhere from like fifty-five to one to eighty to one. T. Higgins is plus the, five thousand. Yeah, that's just a chase at injury. It, that's it's a Jamar Chase injury. Wait, the best value odds to lead the NFL in receiving yards by far and away on Caesar's Sportsbook is T. Higgins. I was just talking about hey, within this tier, DJ Moore has become the best option, but it's not. It's not better than T. Higgins. That's. That's better odds than they're giving Chris Godwin and Michael Thomas and even Mark Andrews. That's like a glitch. Like everyone within the sound of my voice, go get the Caesars app and go at least put a feeler on T. Higgins at plus 5,000. 50 to 1. Do you like, okay, if no, think about it this way. I can't believe my eyes. I can't believe I'm looking at this. Yeah. And, and Dalton put this out there probably like three, four weeks ago. And he was like, hey, I got this at like 60, 65 to one. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, so we ran we, we ran through some numbers, right? And this is super interesting. Obviously, kind of a tangent from what we usually talk about. When they were on the field together, I think T. Higgins had more yards than Jamar Chase did. And like when you're talking about a dart throw, when you're talking about long shots to do anything, right? Like last year, Cooper Cup would have been a pretty solid one, but like you wouldn't, you wouldn't have felt great about throwing that dart, right? This is one where you could very easily see T. Higgins leading the league in receiving yards. I, I just, I'm in, I'm in shock. How in the world is he fifty to one? 
Like that that does that line is so mispriced. I I I just can't believe it. He has that potential though. Oh, absolutely. Right, There's he no has the potential to to lead the league in receiving yards because he has that ability. He has big spike week ability. He could put up 200 receiving yards. He's the signature outside playmaker for the Bengals, one of the better offenses. Yeah. And any receiver that's getting significant reps playing in the NFL, running most of the routes, they're going to get injured and miss games 30 35% of the time. Now, here, here if you go. have an injury track record, that probability goes up. But we know in the NFL, guys every week show up with high ankle sprains, broken toes, separated shoulders, right? Uh, you know, whatever. Guys out with a bruised clavicle or like, you know, separated rib cartilage. All these things that can happen when you're in these NFL car accidents each and every week. Yeah. You're not rooting for an injury. You're just being a realist. Here, here and we taking go, taking odds that just don't seem right. And if they don't seem right and they're exploitable, you better get in and exploit it while it's live. Because I'm looking at go. it live right now on Caesars. Promo here code PODFATHER15. Oh, baby. Here we go. Matt, look at this. T. Higgins and Jamar Chase were on the field together for 469 routes in 2021. Here's their split on those routes. T. Higgins out got out-targeted 108 to 93, had more air yards 1308 to 1211, had more PPR points 214.3 to 209, and somehow what's look at Jamar Chase to lead the league in receiving yards. Now you tell me, looking at these two, that one of these two should be 50 to one. Right, it's plus 1200 as opposed to T Higgins plus, plus uh, 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 five thousand. Yeah. What? What? Dalton strikes again, man. He's really good at what he does. That's one of those that I looked at and I was sitting there. I was like, this is insane. I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm baffled. I'm baffled. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, you know, uh, I'm in Connecticut. Caesars is not in Connecticut. But if you're in New York or you're in New Jersey or you in Michigan, you're in Illinois, Colorado, Arizona, you're in any of these states, you know, that has sports betting, Tennessee, Louisiana, I would suggest a dabble. I would suggest a dabble, a feeler at the very least, if not more. I mean, 50 to one. They're they're giving you $1,500 to first bet insurance. (laughs) What does it pay out on that look? I mean, (laughs) it's not like you're not putting 1500 down. I'm just saying, if you were just a very casual player, and you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna open up the app. I'm just gonna do this one bet. I'll, you know, maybe I'll do a hundred bucks. You know, at the very least, if it doesn't hit, it likely won't because it's a long shot. That's what fifty to one is. You'd at least be able to, you know, no, and go it, back the, the, in for that amount for the next time if it doesn't work out. If you're just a super, you know, one-off better, or if you're someone who is, you know, into DFS. He, you know, heavy fantasy gamer, one of our uh, sicko diehards in the audience. Oh yeah, and you haven't got that Caesar's app and found this particular line, then you need to get on that. Yeah, I mean, it's that. That's one of the most mispriced lines I think I've ever seen. It's just, it's cra- That one's crazy to me. I, I, I honestly can't believe that they went there. I'm gonna drive to New York so I can do this. <laughs> I think I'm going to. I think I'm gonna drive. I think I have to. I think I've got to. 
Right. This is the official T. Higgins fan club. We can add Dalton. <laughs> also, everyone, bet responsibly. Don't bet more than you have. Right. No Definitely. one's saying go all in. Right. Bet responsibly. Do not mortgage the house. Don't bet anything that you can't lose. But in this particular case, like this is one of those prop bets. Right. We're not out here saying, hey, have a whole portfolio of prop bets. Right. You can. No. That's something that people do. It's really fun. Right. That all said, this is the one. Fifty I would to take. one is nuts. Yeah, the fifty, 50 to one's crazy. Crazy. <laughs> it's just, just like what? I mean, like, like list off some of the guys that are in front of him, just because it's hilarious. It's it's absolutely hilarious that some of these people are. are it in it front doesn't of make him. sense. DeAndre Hopkins going to miss the first six weeks of the season. How is he in there? <laughs> Chris Godwin will be back until November. How the hell is he in there? Michael Thomas may not play again. <laughs> What are we talking about? Mark Andrews? He's a tight end. How is this possible? Tyler Lockett no... is the number two receiver with Geno Smith. In what world? <laughs> in what world? In what world? The only player in this zone, in this plus 5,000, 50 to 1 zone, that is a good value is Terry McLaurin. You could also see McLaurin, but that puts a lot of faith in Carson Wentz. We're talking about a... <laughs> Joe Burrow. Is T Higgins quarterback? I mean, th this is uh, yeah, this is night and day, apples and oranges. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It was what it's a what just... a what a what a great segment to get into some of these wide receiver total yardage props. I mean, I th that's oh, yeah. one of my favorite things is wide receiver total yardage props. I always like, oh, I gotta look at what's what's DJ Moore. Ooh, eh, it's okay, thirty five to one. Not the best, not the worst. Yeah. T Higgins uh, is the best. Yeah, and then. Go ahead. Uh, but the the other thing is, like, when you're looking at these lines, early on, rookie lines are always kind of off. You know, if, if you study, obviously, because we're all f fantasy football diehards, and so that's what we study. We look at a lot of these guys coming into the league. What's their situation going to look like? How good is their quarterback? Who's their offensive coordinator? A lot of the rookie lines are kind of misplaced just because – they're using some of their college statistics that we don't really care about because that hasn't translated yet. Or, you know, they're using certain factors that we have we have more information on, you know, we pay more attention to than they do. That's one of the more exploitable things out there is rookie wide receiver lines, both week by week and year. Yeah, so they have those up as well, right? Yeah. So if we if we look at some of those uh, briefly, you've got Sky Moore over or under seven hundred. It's a pretty well placed line, I think. Take the under. Yeah. Take the under. It's a pretty that's it's a pretty well placed line. Uh, um, I'm taking the under. I think the Marquez Valdez Scantling is gonna start opposite Juju Smith Schuster, yep. and then you have Travis Kelsey. So now we're talking about the fourth option. I yep. go under for a rookie from a small school drafted in the second round. Sky Moore, I'm going under seven hundred. Garrett Wilson, seven twenty five. That's pretty efficient. That's very efficient. It's de entirely depends on what, what goes on there. Um, in terms of mm. that's that's all about a belief in Zach Wilson. Yeah, know, I would tend to go under there. Drake London, seven seventy five. I'm going over on that. He's technically the the best receiver they have by leaps and bounds. <laughs> yeah. He and then it's, there's a there's a clear gap down to Brian Edwards. So it's going to be the right the Drake London and you and Brian Edwards, man. <laughs> right. Just can't quit him. Well, I mean, Kyle Pitts is is actually the de facto number That's one fair. wide receiver there, or the number one receiver. 
is he a wide? I mean, he was split out wide so much. I want to call him a wide receiver. He's not technically a wide receiver. So he doesn't have the wide receiver designation. Just wait. We're two two years from now when they go to renegotiate that rookie deal. His agent is absolutely going to classify him as a wide receiver. <laughs> Either way, the Falcons will be losing a lot of games. They'll be in comeback mode. Drake London is the number one wide receiver. At the very least, the number two option in the passing game. He was the first wide receiver drafted. He had the most impressive prospect profile. And to be able to go over 775 when Traylon Burks is actually at 790.5. Oh. He can't even breathe. He hasn't participated much in camp because he... he he, he, he can't stand the pollen in Tennessee, so I'm going under on Traylon Burks because they're going to get Robert Woods back. Austin Hooper has been performing well. I think they're going to be a run-first offense, so run first. There's going to be more target competition than Drake London has, so I think Burks is the easy under there. Jahan Dotson at 618.5, that's a stay away. Yeah, that's I'd that's, go under if I had to pick because there's Curtis Samuel there. There's also Terry McLaurin, and Carson Wentz isn't good. Like, Carson Wentz <laughs> is bad. We're, he's basically this year's Sam Darnold. That's my worry with Carson Wentz. And then with Chris Olave, 730.5, that would be my over. So most of these, I think the majority, I'm going under. I would go under on Wilson, definitely under on Sky Moore, definitely under on Burks, definitely mm-hmm. under on Dotson, and then over on Olave, and 730.5 and over on Drake London, 775.5. Caesars app, promo code PODFATHER15. The uh, the big one for any New Orleans prop bet is kind of what's going to happen with Michael Thomas. And obviously you want to you wanna get a sense and a feel of what's going to happen with him to bet all those lines before they actually announce Michael Thomas is in or out. So that's, that's one that I'd pay pretty strong attention to if you're going to bet anything Saints-related is – What's going on with Michael Thomas? Do the deep dive, kind of figure out what's going on there. And then from there, obviously, if he's out, then Olave's 730 is free money. Um, but, you know, if he's out there, then that's it's going to be probably They're going to take it off the level. board. The moment yeah. it's announced that Michael right. Thomas is retiring, if that happens, right. then it's going off the board. If you were bullish on Olave, congratulations. Like, it's, I think it's, yeah. I think it's, I think this is going to happen. Yeah. Let's look at... Scary Terry McLaurin. There you go. Oh, he's scary in the best possible way. Another Buckeye. You love to see it. You love to see it. It, it just it, more reasons to love Chris Olave. It's like he comes from this like the the the, the source, the the, <laughs> this, the great cedar of talent. Michael Thomas also right. The great cedar of talent, wide receiver talent. That's the reason why we're Paris Campbell truthers and on and on and on. So yep. McLaurin is the truth. He gets fifty three million guaranteed. And a total of seventy million on the contract. Now, when you look at seventy million total, fifty-three plus guaranteed, does that tell you he's going to see all that money? Can you basically write down that hey, McLaurin's going to be paid seventy million over three years? Yeah, and so how that will end up happening is going to kind of be dependent on where Washington is, is as his team at that point. So, I mean, no matter what, he's going to make that 70 million now will it be all 70 million on this contract will they negotiate after year two after you know most of his guarantees are gone different right so it's tbd in that sense but i mean we'll see we'll see because i mean i think what they're going to do is probably have him play through two years see what his production looks like and then from there make a decision on you know hey do we extend him further do we you know 
do we kind of readjust him to what the market value is then? This this is a really good deal for McLaurin. And for Washington, it's kind of a, hey, we have to have somebody. Let's pay this guy who's done just about everything for us. So it tells me that he will be there 2023, 2024, and beyond. Um what it doesn't say is, you know, what that contract in 25, 26, 27 will look like. Let's break it down for the audience exactly what that means. So if he's getting 70 million, right, with all the incentives and 53.1 million is guaranteed, we then need to know how much he's going to make in year one in base salary and we can work backwards and figure out what his base salary is going to be in 2023 and 2024 to evaluate whether or not he's at risk of getting cut before the final year of his contract. That's always the risk with these big contracts is, is this real or fake? Is this a true three-year deal or is it really a two-year deal with an unlikely option for a third year? And when you break this down, because there's so much guaranteed, your first instinct is, oh, for sure, this is essentially a three-year deal. Yep. And then when you actually back it out, you think about, okay, $53 million guaranteed. Well, what was the the signing bonus? Okay, $28 million. So 53 yep. minus 28 is? 25. So there's $25 million in guaranteed salary. Now we subtract his base salary for 2022 that's going to be 2.8 million call it three right yep. now we're down to 22 million in guaranteed base salary and you split that across two years he's essentially guaranteed 11 million dollars of base salary in 2023 and 2024 and whenever someone is guaranteed 11 million dollars of base salary they're going to be retained they're not at yeah. risk of getting cut they're going to be yeah, I'm- on the team for the next three years. That's how you know. Yeah, and I think that the, the really smart thing that, that Terry did was he probably took just a little bit less than he could have gotten to get more guaranteed money into the into year three of that deal. And I think ultimately speaking, I mean, we've seen wide receivers fall off the face of the earth. I think that was a really smart decision to take a little bit less annually and increase the guaranteed money a bit. So what happens in 2024 when you know he's already pocketed this signing bonus, and then he's looking up and he's saying, "Well, okay, I'm going to make 11 million dollars this year. I don't want to play on a one-year deal for 11 million dollars. I'm one of the best receivers in the league. Is this a potential holdout situation in 2024 where he is maneuvering to get his next deal and could potentially I don't, hold out? I don't think so because they did right by him and extended him immediately." Um, and typically when organizations show good faith like that, a player is going to reward that by saying, hey, we'll get it done. I'm not worried. It's kind of similar to what when Baltimore, when Eric DaCosta has done all of these deals for Baltimore, right? He has openly told players that he's going to extend them and then he's gone about and done it. That's why Lamar's not worried. That's why Terry McLaurin wasn't worried when, you know, he didn't have a deal going into the offseason. He knew that they would get it done because they essentially told him, hey, whatever it takes to retain you, we're going to do. So. Have there been instances where general managers showed bad faith and did not give the extension that was verbally promised and then it created a backlash and then that general manager ended up paying the price for the bad faith? Like, is what is the cost 
to fucking a player that you've essentially promised or at least alluded to the possibility, the strong possibility of an extension. And if you leave them hanging high and dry, what is the, the reputational cost to the organization and to the general manager? So the general manager themselves may be fine temporarily, right? They may have maybe be forced to trade a player. I'm trying to think of the best example that I can think of. Um, give me a minute on that. But essentially the, the issue is if you continually operate in bad faith, right? Not only do players start to notice and that starts to spread, but teams start to notice and they don't want to do business with you with, on these backdoor deals that you absolutely have to have, you know, come draft day is a great example, right? You're, you and I are GMs of two different teams. If I'm like, okay, I know if Matt says he's going to do something, he's going to do something. And I call you on draft day and I'm like, hey, we have a player that we want at pick number five. If he's there, are you open to this, 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 and that deal, right? Players available at five, we make that deal. Everything's good. Or maybe per you try to squeeze the team on the other right. side and you come back and you don't include the fifth round pick that you right. had discussed previously. And you're like, what happened to the fifth right. round pick? Oh, we decided to pull the fifth round pick from the deal. It's like, hey, dude, hey. Yeah. There's only yeah. 32 teams. Yep. You can't go and burning all these bridges. You won't be able to operate and do your job and optimize yeah. the, the draft capital every step of the way. You better and be we, careful we doing that. that. That's what's interesting to me, where reputational risk uh, is something that needs to be fully understood and appreciated when you're at the top of an organization, especially one that's in this cartel, where it's, hey, what's 32 guys? Yeah. You know, and and yep. in order to do your job to the fullest extent, you need to cultivate good relationships with all 31 of your fellow general managers, and, and they need to believe in you and believe in your word. It's, it's almost like a throwback to, like, yeah. the clans in Scotland, right? Yep. Where, okay, whatever's on the contract doesn't really matter. It's about your honor. And then if you get a bad reputation among the clans, you're out. Yep. And it, the best example, we talked about it on here before, there were deals on the table for Calvin Ridley, and Atlanta told everybody. Terry Fontenot essentially came back and said, no, we're not going to tell you why, but we know something you don't know, and we're not going to operate in bad faith and you know, dump him for his true value as opposed to what we know it's going to be a week from now. And for that reason, teams are now going to trust Atlanta more than they otherwise would have. And, and it's not just the teams that were interested in in Ridley. It's also because every team does deals with every other team. You start to hear about people that are operating in the, let's call it a gray area. Nobody's worried that Atlanta's operating in a gray area. So you can take them at that word. And that is worth something long term. That is fascinating to me. That's essentially like, you know, a, a, a fundamental principle of building societies, right? If, yeah. if you just had a town of 32 families, you don't need a police force. No. Right? You don't need a police force at all. Like, because they, nope. they police one another. They have to work with each other and barter with each other in order to survive and thrive. Where when you have a city, you need a police force because there isn't the reputational damage to stealing or reneging on a contract or whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the tough part about an NFL general manager's job is they've got to get information as, as, as much information as they possibly can out of someone without giving up a whole lot. Right. And, and that's where 
Cleveland has been trying, Andrew Barry's been trying for the last two plus months to get something, anything for Baker Mayfield. But the problem was his owner stripped his cards from, right? And this is you can't also you can't sit there and say I believe in my guy when your owner's been essentially chasing after everybody in broad daylight. The reason you wait. This yeah. is the reason you wait. This is the reason why we, we look up and there was suspicion that Daniel Snyder was behind this Carson Wentz acquisition. So our speculation is Martin Mayhew would know better than to bid against himself for Carson right. Wentz's services of all quarterbacks. There, there had to be some right. kind of intervention there because it's obvious, right, to anyone that's been around the league that you need to wait until training camp and then these values will materialize, whether it's Baker Mayfield, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo. There's not a significant difference between any of these guys. I think between Carson Wentz, Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield, I'd rather have Jimmy Garoppolo of all those guys. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's personal preference at that point. They're all what we would consider damaged goods in the league, right? Like They, they all have their issues. They have their limitations. Um, it was clear last year that, that uh, the Colts were scheming around Wentz's limitations, and then the couple of games that they asked him to do a lot, just abject disasters. The Browns and Baker, same thing. Jimmy G, same thing. Obviously, the team around him was much better than the other Did two. they not uh, see Carson Wentz lose in a must-win game to the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah. Did they not see that? And I'm look, one bad game doesn't make it, but when when you have when you have a moment like that where it's so evident that if you're the guy you have to win this game and you don't just fail, you fail in that fashion. Spectacular failure. Yeah. And look, like I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo Oof. is is, you know, the answer for everybody, but Jimmy Garoppolo has started in the Super Bowl, right? And and the 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 pass that we all think of is uh you know, late in that fourth quarter when they had the chance to essentially ice that game, he misses that deep over, deep sail, deep post, whatever you want to call it. And it's it's that moment. You find out if that guy is the guy, right? And it's very clear Jimmy Garoppolo is not the guy. Now, does that mean he can't help you win games? No. No, he just needs help. And the problem is Carson Wentz does not understand, nor does he care that he needs help. He's going to be reckless with the ball anyway because he thinks it's 2017 still. Right. I, therein lies the problem if you're Washington. I, I Look, he deserves a, a, to, a shot, and, I mean, he's better than Taylor Heineke. That's, I don't think that's much of a comparison. But, man, Washington, figure out the quarterback, my guys. Team's too good. Team's too good to have that many questions at quarterback. If you wanted to go and get a quarterback early in the process, Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, Mitchell Trubisky has potential, right? Mitchell Trubisky yeah. did not have the best weapons, did not have the best support, and I think at this point has a, a a more impressive pedigree and resume after these Carson Wentz flameouts, at least than Carson Wentz. Certainly, I'd rather have Mitchell Trubisky than Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield has huge physical limitations, especially throwing the ball to the outside. Yep. But Pittsburgh is saying, in no uncertain terms, to Deontay Johnson, you're not going to make. Terry McLaurin money in Pittsburgh. It's yeah. not going to happen. And then you look at their draft picks. We're, we're drafting George Pickens, just like we drafted Chase Claypool the year prior. And then we're going to go back to wide receiver in the fourth round with Calvin Austin the third. Yep. So the message has been received loud and clear to Deontay Johnson that you know, Pittsburgh's not going to take care of you, in quotes, the way that 
Washington took care of Terry McLaurin. And if you look back through their history, this is what Pittsburgh has done. Letting yep. Mike Wallace walk. Letting yep. Emmanuel Sanders walk. Letting Antonio Brown walk. Yep. This is what they do. They've realized that they have a strategic advantage in their wide receiver scouting. Yep. And if they were to overpay for wide receivers or pay full market price for wide receivers in their second contract, they would be squandering that advantage. Yep. And the Antonio Brown deal that they did was one off because he was by far arguably not even just the best receiver. He was arguably the best player in the league at that time. And they still got him at a relative value relative to what he could have gotten in, on the open market. I was so, shocked by that deal. Yeah, that he accepted that. Yeah. And so the thing about Pittsburgh is if they're going to extend somebody and this is how they've done business forever, they're going to extend someone early. And they're not going to – you usually don't like to put a whole lot of guaranteed money past year one. And the understanding between the player and the organization is if you continue to perform, we will take care of you. And that's something that very few organizations can promise and deliver on. And it goes back to what we were just talking about with how much do you trust your GM and your organization, right? Because in Pittsburgh, if Kevin Colbert had told you prior to Omar Khan coming on, if Kevin Colbert had told you, hey, we're going to take care of you, buddy, don't worry about it, you didn't have to worry about it. But it's clear in this case, they don't think Deontay Johnson is worth what McLaurin got. Maybe not even what uh, what Jacksonville paid some of those receivers, right? 18 to 20 million a year. When they're getting guys like George Pickens in the second round, Chase Claypool in the second round, Calvin Austin in the fourth round, like that's a perfectly reasonable receiving core and you're paying them nothing. Yeah, they're saying we're not going to pay $23 million a year for Deontay Johnson. Washington's I, I paying blame. Terry McLaurin. We're not going to do it. That's what they're saying. Because, the, well, Matt, the other thing, the other important part of this, too, is Washington doesn't have a history of drafting wide receivers like Pittsburgh does. Right. Right? They're not going to find another Terry McLaurin. Oh, they, they're paying to retain one of the few great draft picks that they've had offensively in recent memory. Right? So... Pittsburgh's saying, we can do this again. We can find another one of you. You can't find another one of us. This is one of the better organizations in sports, period. Forget football. It's just, it's it's a weird scenario that unfolds because Pittsburgh is also, so this is the conundrum. They're the team that famously does not play rookies. Yeah. Th this is one of their reputations. Hey, we let rookies sit Yep. Unless you're Ben Roethlisberger, you know, Hall of Fame level talent. Yep. Najee Harris, any of those guys. Yep. You're going to sit. Well, Najee Harris was like 24 years old. Yeah. <laughs> he was drafted. Yeah. So he was ready to, to carry the load in the NFL. Most rookies are not ready. George Pickens yeah. is very young. He's 21 years old. They're telling George Pickens, you know, you're likely going to be a rotational player off the bench at best. Be prepared yep. to sit a lot in your rookie year. This is going to be the Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool show on the outside. And if you're Deontay Johnson, you're like, so let me get this straight. You're not even going to entertain extending me, but you're going to ride me all year because of your you know, philosophy with veterans versus rookies. You know, If, if you appreciate veterans so much, why don't you actually pay me? You know, <laughs> if, if you're all ready to move on to Pickens, why don't you go ahead and play him full time then? call their bluff somehow, but they can't. They can't. The new collective bargaining agreement makes it near impossible to hold out. Yeah. The fines you know, stack up. 
And then you can't negotiate those fines away when you ultimately get extended. So you got to go back pay all those fines. And it's like, listen, uh, it, you lose your leverage in the next contract if you don't get extended. Now you don't have a full season of production to put in front yep. of teams in 2023. Yep. Puts players in a terrible position. Puts them in an impossible position. They have to essentially accept the whims of the front office, the preferences of the front office. So if you're Deontay Johnson, you just got to start the process of, of looking elsewhere for your next contract. And there's nothing else you can do. There's nothing else you can do because, look, Pittsburgh, we'll go right back to Pittsburgh. When Le'Veon Bell held out, he probably lost $20, $30 million. Oh, it's a big mistake. Yeah. But, I mean, the thing is, he could. what else did you want him to do? He's got to play it out and put the best possible – resume in front of teams the following year there's no choice there's no choice his career ultimately was shortened by the fact that he wasn't in the nfl system he wasn't practicing and playing every day with everybody and i believe that that diminished his abilities when he came back he wasn't as explosive he wasn't the same player huh yeah yeah so and, now and deontay johnson's got to play this thing out he's gonna make Two point seven million yeah. signing bonus is probably going to be over three million. Yep. So pocket the three million, put the best possible tape together that you could ever imagine. Something yep. that blows away Christian Kirk, right? Yeah, and then yeah. go to teams next year and be like, okay, if Christian Kirk's worth this, I'm worth that. Oh yeah, he, I mean. It even if he doesn't put anything incredible on tape, he's going to get a whole lot of money. He's going to be next this, year. the market's so frothy for wide receiver. Oh yeah. Cause general managers have completely abandoned running backs and they need new shiny toys to spend money on. Right. Don't even pick up the phone. Yeah. That's what I would do. Oh, Pittsburgh's calling. Click. Right. Hey, hey, Pittsburgh here. Click. Look, man, they're paying everybody in Miami. <laughs> yeah. It does. <laughs> the wide receivers you will get paid don't yeah. worry you're gonna make your money don't worry about it don't get agitated you know it's funny there was a time when jimmy smith held out every offseason <laughs> like jimmy smith yep. and the jaguars he never participated oh, yeah. in camp he was always holding out these wide receivers chad ochocinco all down the list so many of these wide receivers were underappreciated they were divas, and they were holding out. You could set your watch by it. It's so interesting to see that now, 10 years later, the market is finally corrected, and wide receivers are getting what they've always felt they deserved. Yeah, and I mean, I think the interesting part about how we perceive the wide receiver market is even now, you can argue that they're not quite totally caught up to other positions in terms of what they're paid, right? Like if a quarterback's worth 50 plus million dollars a year, 30 million for a wide receiver. Well, the one that got paid 30 million, I have gripes with, but like if you were to extend, Oh, I don't know. Jamar chase, Justin Jefferson for 30 million a year. No problem with that. No problem with that whatsoever. It's just, it's different when the guy's 29 and speed is his biggest plus attribute. Do you think that DK Metcalf is going to get extended? Does he get extended? Ooh, that's tough. Right? Um, I mean, he's in the same spot, but Seattle has not come out as aggressively in stating that no, 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 no. You're you're not in this tier of player. No, 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 no. 
my question for Seattle is who is their quarterback going forward going to be? And that's going to answer that question for you. They know if, he's elite, but they also may be at a point in their rebuild where they're just getting started with the rebuild and extending him now for big money makes no sense. Extending him now for three years and the team's not going to be good for another three years. And then you're going to be looking at whatever his next extension is. And you're in this cycle where is it possible to, to trade him? Yeah. Because the thing is, you don't want to offer the contract that you're going to trade, right? If you're going to trade him, you want to have someone else also. Like, it's going to get you more assets back, unless you get a very team-friendly deal. Like, if he's going to make top-of-the-market money, you would much rather another team negotiate that deal. You don't want to do that, right? You would rather trade him with the knowledge of, like, hey, you get the chance to negotiate with him. We don't have to. So you're going to give us more assets because you have the leverage now to do whatever you want to do with him instead of this contract that he's now locked into. Right. He's making $4 million this year. That's an absolute Talk steal. about a value. That's incredible yeah. value. It's just squandered value. Like on any other team, this would be such a competitive advantage. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then, you know, it's interesting that the Titans saw this with A.J. Brown, and they put A.J. Brown on the market, and they got what they believed was good value in return for A.J. Brown, where the Seattle's trading for the rights to sign a guy to pay him 20-plus million dollars a year. Yeah. I mean, look, if the two teams that immediately come to mind that have recently acquired draft picks from other teams, Kansas City and Green Bay, like those are the two where it's like, look, you just cashed in your older, aging out, top tier wide receivers and you need to replace them why not use the picks that you just acquired to go get a dk metcalf that's what 24 years old so i'm looking at you know which teams have the most salary cap space and the one that jumps out at me is the cowboys yeah like the cowboys have this glaring need at x receiver michael gallup's not going to be ready probably yeah, until mid-season right. and even when he is he's not He's not DK Metcalf. An elite X receiver. He's a low-end X receiver. He's a check-the-box X receiver. It's you know Michael Gallup, uh, Alan Lazard. There are these check-the-box, put them out there, Devontae Parker X receivers around the league. Yeah. But this is not elite playmaker X receiver level. The idea that you could put DK Metcalf next to CeeDee Lamb is tantalizing. So what are the Screen contracts here, yeah. that... The Cowboys are waiting to create. Who are the players they're waiting to extend that would preclude them from using this money on DK Metcalf? They're definitely going to have to get something done um, with with multiple D linemen. They've, they've got, obviously, Parsons after year three is going to want a new deal, which I think he'll probably get. Um, you're probably looking at a pretty sizable deal to keep Trayvon Diggs. Um on the offensive side, the line is all old and getting older. Uh, I mean, they've tried to address it as much as they can, adding younger pieces. Zeke Elliott's contracts coming off the books is going to be huge, huge for them, which I think is next year. You're right, after, so all these guys that you need to pay next year, like CD Lamb, pay it with Zeke's money. Why don't they go and pay up for DK Metcalf right now? Surround Dak Prescott with the best possible weaponry. Lamb on one side, Metcalf on the other. That would be it depends on what it's going to cost to take to get him. Really, that that's that's really maybe they Dallas don't want to give up getting. the picks. They don't want to pay for the right to pay up and pay big money right. for a wide receiver. They're not interested in that. I think that's the same calculus the Packers are doing. 
right? Yep. They chose to be the receiver of the assets for the right to pay up for Devontae yep. Adams. So even though they have the seventh most cap space, $17 million, it's hard to imagine them after jettisoning, 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 jettisoning Devontae Adams. It's, it's impossible to imagine them going out and getting DK Metcalf, but that's what they need, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. the Packers need Metcalf even more than the Cowboys do. Yeah. And they've it's already extended the- Jerry Alexander. That was their big... You know, upcoming liability—the guy they they absolutely needed to to hold cap space back in order to extend. So they they have Rogers under contract. They have Alexander under contract. There should be no reason why they can't go and create a deal that you know uses, let's say, you know, ten to twelve million dollars of their twenty twenty two salary cap on DK Metcalf, give up a pick or two, and then you know create a three year deal like. Washington did with Terry McLaurin. DK Metcalf is worth whatever McLaurin got. Yeah, the, I think the question that you have to ask yourself is what is he going to go for in terms of pick comps, right? Like Seattle's going to ask for a lot, and they should ask for a lot. It's not as simple as Dallas makes a lot of sense because the quarterback is relatively young, because your other wide receiver is relatively young. Um, but if you like, for example, if you go back and look at when Buffalo traded for Diggs, Allen was young, Diggs was young. It made a lot of sense. They only wanted a first, right? I think Seattle, because they're in such a rebuild, is going to demand more than just a first. It's probably going to be a first and a second, first and a third, potentially two firsts. Just kind of depends on how desperate whoever it is to get him is. Uh, two firsts, they, is, yeah, that's right. Because if that if they be... ask for two firsts. But the thing is, you have Aaron Rodgers for the next two years. What do you care? What do you care about life after Aaron Rodgers? You might as well give up your 2023 and 2024. Aaron Rodgers is gone. You're going to be rebuilding. I guess if you give up your 2024 pick to go into 2024 with no Aaron Rodgers and no first-round pick, that would be devastating. Yeah, and also if Jordan Love, which we've seen, we know evidence that he's going to pan out. If Jordan Love doesn't pan out, you might need that top 2024 pick for a quarterback. You could too. include Jordan Love in the deal. Does that help? Does that uh, maybe. Maybe that's <laughs> that what would get maybe along? that's what would get Seattle to say, okay, we'll take one first rounder in 2023, then a 2024 second rounder plus Jordan Love. Maybe they'll do that. So you, you think the Seahawks want to assemble a room of Geno Smith, Drew Locke, and Jordan Love? Quarterback tryouts starting today. Right. Pray for our friends in the Pacific Northwest, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> to do all of that and lose DK? Good Lord. Oh, man. I just want I want, <laughs> I want want DK Metcalf to be happy. I want him to have a great quarterback. It would it would be funny to see the faces on all the CeeDee Lamb dynasty heads when CeeDee Lamb's suddenly competing for targets with DK Metcalf and, and the assumption's been that he's going to be the clear alpha there for the next five years in dynasty. Oh, yeah. That would be funny. I would love to see people's faces. Uh, yeah, just to see the reaction like, oh, man, whoops. Right. Because C.D. Lamb is six one one ninety five. C.D. Lamb is a prototypical flanker. He's not an ex receiver. So if you're trying I- to create the optimal sort of receiving core where the right players are in the right roles, you would absolutely love to have D.K. Metcalf. And, and also maybe the Cowboys could ship Gallup back to Seattle. Be like, hey, hey, hey we're not going to give you nothing. You're going to have Gallup. 
right? You're not going to be competitive this year. You might as well uh, take Gallup. Take an asset. Right, take an inexpensive yeah. wide receiver. We got him at value because he's coming back from a torn ACL. He can rehab his torn ACL on Seattle. Not much is at stake. There was No one's under any illusions that or delusions that the team's going to be competitive this year, except, of course, Pete Carroll. Uh, and, and then you might have a, a, an ex-receiver at value in the next couple of years. That would be yeah. nice. That Just like, you know, try to create a, a, a deal where you're not giving up. You're giving up value in return so you don't have to shed two first-rounders. Ugh, that's just too much. I wouldn't do it. I, if, if someone asked me for two first-rounders for the, for the pleasure of giving a wide receiver a max contract, I'd be like, I, can't, I love you, DK Metcalf. Incredible metrics, playerprofiler.com, obviously. Loves DK Metcalf, but I just can't do it. DeAndre Hopkins is going to miss the first six weeks of the season. How is he in there? <laughs> Chris Godwin won't be back until November. How the hell is he in there? Michael Thomas may not play again. <laughs>